Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are and for all that you've done for us. I worship you and I praise you. Lord our God, I ask in Jesus' holy name that you would give us the graces we need to be able to love you today well, to be able to follow your path and plan for our lives. Lord our God, bless us. Um, Keep us safe uh, under the mighty hand, your almighty hand of protection. Shepherd us, Lord. Lord, give us health in spirit, health in our hearts, health in our relationships. Give us grace and and holiness, Lord, for uh, the challenges to come. I pray for those who are um, in a discouraged place, those who are a bit overwhelmed, those who are a bit anxious. I ask, Lord Jesus, for your peace. Come, O Prince of Peace. We have confidence in you, Jesus. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Sunday was Gaudete Sunday. It's Pink Candle Sunday. Yes, it's Rose Candle. I know that. But growing up, we always thought it was pink, right? The three purple candles and the pink candle. It's a penitential season. And again, the penitence of the season of Advent is about removing blockages, Right? It's about getting things out of the way. It's preparing the way of the Lord. We can't cause the Lord to come, but we know he's coming. We've heard uh, the, the proclamation. We have the, the announcement of great news, the king is coming. Right? The Old Testament announced the coming of the Messiah, and um, the world waited in expectation for the coming of Christ. And so Advent is this season of expectation, the season of anticipation, the season of hope that the Lord is coming. Not that we're going. No, it's not, it's not so much that we're going towards Christmas, but that Christ is coming towards us. And Christ coming towards us is going to bring light into the darkness. He's going to bring warmth into the place of coldness. He's going to bring new life into those places that are looking dead. Is it getting colder out, getting darker out? Yes, yes, and yes until the light of Christ comes into the world, comes into our world. That's, isn't that the challenge? That the light of Christ needs to come into our world. And when the light of Christ comes into our world, we need to act. We are called upon to take action. Today in the program, I've got several stories to share just from the past few days um, that have that, that recurrent theme that recurrent theme of not missing the moment. Uh, Advent is about recognizing this holy moment. And when Christ appears, we want to be ready. We want to take action. And so just uh, several stories. A couple actually come from uh, TV. Well, they come from uh, Apple TV, I guess is a way to say it. One was a a movie that Tom Hanks uh, was in called Finch. I guess that's a good place to start. And uh, I don't recommend the movie. Not that it was like offensive in a lot of ways. It was a little bit weird. And, and, and the movie ended up kind of in a really weird place. But it's uh, sort of one of these like post, post-apocalyptic worlds where basically all of humanity was destroyed. In this instance, it looks like it didn't even really make it perfectly clear, but it looked like it was from some kind of serious solar flare that 
somehow burned away the atmosphere and caused this radiation to basically kill everything. And um, and so he happened to be working underground at the time, a brilliant like computer scientist guy and a tinkerer, mechanical engineer. And he builds a robot and then builds another robot uh, that um, uh, then is going to accompany him. And he's got a little dog. And, and basically this radiation storm is going to come and wipe out the uh, the place where he's been surviving and living. And so he has to get into his RV and basically travel west to a safer place. And uh, in this journey, he um, ends up um, like growing in this um, uh, this complex uh, relationship with this robot that seems to be growing and gaining more and more like human-like qualities, if you will. So, uh, but the at the end of the movie, there's this scene, and it sort of all, for me, I consider this sort of the climax of the movie is when the robot is asking him a question about a postcard that of the Golden Gate Bridge, and that's where they're headed to San Francisco to, again, to sort of start over. And, um, and on the back of it is a message from his father, whom he had never met, who left before he was born and all of this. But the message was essentially, go see the world. And so the robot, whose name is Jeff, asks him, he said, well, did you? Well, did I what? Did you go see the world? And he hems and haws and eventually ends up saying, I just never got around to it. There was always something getting in the way. And and then as he continues to have this little dialogue, he ends up with this very poignant statement, I wish I'd done more with the time I had. I wish I'd done more with the time I'd had. And Jeff the robot gets like excited and agitated and and he's like let's leave right now let's get to the golden gate bridge you've never been there let's get you there and he says i'm dying jeff and it was it was as if the entire movie was building up to this encounter between uh the robot jeff and finch you know go see the world i just never got around to it there was always something getting in the way and I wished I had done more with the time I had. I can remember that that was so striking to me. It It is in some ways, and this might sound odd, in some ways this is a powerful message for right now and for right now in Advent and right now in this Advent, in this year in which we're living. This is an unprecedented Advent in my lifetime. Uh, maybe I'm feeling it because I'm getting old. <laughs> and uh, I, it's not, not so much melancholy. I know it's dark and getting darker, cold and getting colder. But there are all these things that he wanted to do that he just never really got around to it because there was always something getting in the way. And I don't want to live my life in a way that makes me end up saying, I wish I'd done more with the time I had. I wish I'd done more with the time I had. 
And that's that that for me is a a nice entry point. And I want to give a second entry point. These will be sort of the two pillars that will then pass through. And it uh, and then I'm going to go to a story of Saturday night a Saturday night dinner. Because my brothers and sisters, I don't want you to have that experience or that feeling that I wish I'd done more with the time I had. The second pillar that we're going to walk through comes from another, this time it's a series on Apple TV. I don't recommend it. I've only watched the first episode and then a little bit of the second one. Uh, It's called Invasion, and they have certainly some inappropriate stuff in there. Uh, I don't know if it's rated R, but it's just, I just shake my head. Anyways, the the like the first character you meet in the story was, I think, what um, kept me involved, at least as far as I've seen it. Uh, it's a sheriff who is um, waking up and about to live the last day of his forty-five year career in law enforcement in this small town, and he is also being very reflective about what did I do with my life? I had one life to live and I spent it 45 years, the whole of my life. And now I'm retiring. And what was that all about? What was that all about? And it's uh, it, in the show, he ends up having a couple of, again, poignant dialogues, principally with, it looks like some kind of a deputy sheriff, um, this woman who is kind of with him through the day. And a couple of points in the conversation, he's saying how he was looking for that defining moment. He was looking for that moment that said, this is why I was a sheriff. This is why I was in law enforcement for a career. It was the difference I made in this person's life, this young girl's life, this family's life, this community's life. And he rebels against the uh, the notion that, you know, uh, at the retirement party that happens towards the end of this first episode, great job. You, you were just amazing. You lived a meaningful life, a purposeful life. And he literally walks out on his own party because there is a, a hunger for something more, something deeper, something that is uh, um, unav- uh, unavoidably uh, rock solid when he wants to reconcile himself with the life that he chose, the life that he lived. And it, again, it was really striking to me. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you're giving me these, these instances, these stories that are, are coming up around me. And, and it's not just stories from um, like this, this movie and this TV show. This actually uh, came up in a, another uh, conversation I had. Uh, I guess there's more than two pil- pillars we're going to walk through. <laughs> Let me give you two other like real world stories that happened this in, in the last five days. The one that happened on Friday, one that happened um, just today on, on Monday night when I'm recording this. Um, two other stories that 
give in some ways the same message. The first one was I was talking with um, a faculty member over at the Oaks, and we were talking uh, talking and joking about um, going to this whiskey bar in downtown Spokane called Purgatory. I just you gotta love that <laughs> going to Purgatory, and so. Uh, he mentioned he just mentioned in passing in sort of like a a, um, a humorous way that he he ended up taking his wife there because uh, we had had such a good time there when I went there um, with him and a few other faculty members um, from the Oaks and and um, and he told me a story that he says while we were there we were joined by this gentleman who was probably in his fifties uh, and who was very successful. And accomplished, according to the measures of the world, uh, he had accumulated quite a bit of wealth, and had um, invested it in uh, homes in several beautiful places around the world, um, and he had um, climbed the corporate ladder, um, flying, um, you know, very large airplanes for uh, an international airline. And was very successful at it. And um, he happened to be in Spokane um, for some like family business or something like that. Uh, but he happened to be at this bar by himself. And they got into a very extensive conversation about life. And he talked about how he made lots of sacrifices for his career, flying around the world flying and landing in most of the major airports of the world and, and again, accumulating this wealth over the course of these decades of, of this career. And he said that the sacrifices that he gave up involved a wife and kids. And instead, he now was talking about this newer relationship he had with this woman. So he had a girlfriend. And in some ways, you could look at this man and say, wow, in, in the eyes of the world, he seems to have it all. And yet he said, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I don't think I would have chosen, the, I don't think I would choose this life. I think I made a mistake about the direction my life took. I think I made a mistake about the direction I chose for my life. Because here he is talking with this man who is a decade younger than he is and the father of a number of little kids and um, a happy wife, a happy marriage, a man of faith. And this man, though he had so many things that the eyes of the world would look at as marks of success, achievement, accomplishment, and, and, and good fortune in, in, in sources of happiness, here he is essentially empty. I think I made a mistake in the choice of direction I took for my life. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. Just drinking a little sip of tea there for the sake of my throat. Just say a prayer for me. I continue to linger with this uh, chest cold, this uh, congestion in my chest. God bless me. Uh, it's been, uh, well, three and a half weeks now. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. I won't do that. Uh, I'll mute myself if that happens again. But just uh, say a prayer for me. I really would love my um, congestion to clear up. 
and they become fully back to health. So, uh, so just hearing that story that I just recounted to you that was told to me last Friday night, um, you know, by this faculty member who's there with his wife and, and, and they're joyfully expecting their like fourth or fifth kid and, um, their fifth child. Uh, and, and here, this guy has so much, this guy that they're talking to would have so much that you'd think, wow, he's really happy. And his, his reflection back is, I don't have anything that is so meaningful to me that it makes me feel fulfilled in life. But so many things that were uh, characterized to me as things to pursue and things to make sacrifices for have left me empty. I made a mistake. And, you know, how do you respond to that on the one hand? Like, on the one hand, you can say, well, my brothers and sisters, here we are. Like, as we're looking at the life that we have to live, if we're going to live our lives, right? Okay, if you make a wrong turn, you can say, oh, I made a mistake. I I made a wrong choice to go down this path. Let me kind of turn around and go back up the road and go, go down the right path. And there's not that much at stake, Right? There's not that much at stake. Uh, the power of being able to say, oh, I want to do over. Right? Oh, let me, let me kind of just erase that and let me you know, start again. In, in many, many things in life, we can do that. But when you create the trajectory of your life in the way that this man had, here he is several decades in, there are losses. There are losses that he now is facing with regards to things that he won't have a chance to experience. And that is just a great sadness. What a great sadness. Uh, One last story. This is, again, a a real-life story. I was talking with um, another parent from the Oaks. Uh, We were sitting uh, in the stands at a basketball game. This was on Monday. And... Just talking about uh, this dinner. This is the dinner I'm going to tell you about on Saturday night. And she got real excited um, listening to the theme of this dinner. And the theme of the dinner was uh, we were getting together with a couple of families that had moved here from the West Side. And they are at a place in their lives where they're saying, okay, we are so grateful to the Lord for what uh, we are so grateful to the Lord because of what he has saved us from. But what we are eager not to miss out on is what he has saved us for. We are grateful to the Lord for what he has saved us from. But we are eager not to miss out, not to pursue what he has saved us for. And that's the biggest theme of the, the program here. But as I mentioned this to this, um, to this uh, particular, uh, this, this woman, uh, a wife of uh, just just a neat people, the mother of one of the players on the team. Um, she was talking about the second half. The second half. There's a book, a couple of books written called the second half, and and they go into the the theme of um, what happens when people make a turn in their lives. They 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 make this turn where the pursuit of achievement and accomplishment and and of conquering kingdoms in in personal life and possessions and and, and again and the things that the world considers important stuff things uh, visible measurable things 
that there's this shift that happens to from conquering to meaning, things that are more meaningful, and those tend to focus more on relationships, on things that foster communion, on things that are about play and celebration and enjoyment and just being together, that it's okay that you don't conquer the next level of the corporate ladder, the next level of income, the next level of fame, visibility, influence, power. No, what matters is family, community, fellowship, the fundamental relationships in life with God, with family, with the church, in ministry, things of that nature. And so we were having that conversation, and, and it, this was a, a time of discernment in her life with her husband as they are moving, they are moving into this second half of their lives and discerning what ought this to mean for us. And it was really fascinating because, you know, this is a family that is from here. They didn't uproot and move here. And I was just sharing a bit about, and she had heard some of the stories uh, in the past when we had uh, visited our families. And, and it was about the way in which families that uproot, it's, it's, a, it's a shocking thing. It's a very challenging thing to uproot in situations that you didn't choose so for reasons that you didn't uh, you know, want. Um, but in order to respond to the call of God in that moment, and so uh, there you go. There's my four stories. There, there, there are the four pegs. Okay, I'm going to p- p- put the table on that. I'm going to set the table now that I've set it out there. Uh, you know, the, the remember now, remember it all began with that little movie that said, I wished I'd done more with the time I had. I wished I'd done more with the time I had. The second is, uh, what was that all about? What was that all about? Uh, that all of that pouring oneself out for all of those years in that career, what was, what was the reason for it all? The third is that story, I think I made a mistake. And if I had to do it again, I would have chosen a different path. And the fourth one is, I want to focus now on meaning more than conquering. I want to focus now more on meaning than on conquering. So it's all of those things that for me that are kind of stirring around in my mind these days. Not just in my mind, but also in my heart and even in my prayer. They're stirring around in my prayer as well. My oldest daughter, Mary Grace, and my oldest son, John Mark, who's my fifth child, my fifth child, my son, he's 16. Uh, We are... We are now in the midst of a novena to St. Joseph. We had finished our novena to the Immaculate Conception, and now we are on day five, I think as you listen to this on day six, of our novena to St. Joseph. And uh, this novena we got from the uh, EWTN website, um, and it's a a lot longer (laughs) than, than the Immaculate Conception novena. 
uh, which we got from a website called Pray More Novenas. Um, that one, that was a pretty, it was a, it was a minimal Immaculate Conception Novena. Novena. We're, we're making up for it with the with the Saint Joseph Novena. It's a, it's much bigger, but it's thematic. And each day, there's a facet of Saint Joseph that gets reflected upon in the uh, reflection prayer of the Novena. And what jumps off the page, at least to me, as I read through these different days of the Novena, is this same kind of themes. These themes just are powerfully present. Themes that are like, don't miss the moment. That the Lord had his hand on Joseph and shaped and molded him and and prepared him for this call. And in the call that he had, the Lord asked him to step up and he had to protect and provide for the Son of God and for the Blessed Mother. And this was a God-ordained call for his life. And he had to recognize and respond to God-ordained moments as he discerned in the midst of very difficult situations. You think about the situations that Joseph faced Right? And what's not recorded in the scriptures is the way in which Joseph was chosen to be the spouse, the husband of Mary. And you can read about that in the, um, the Proto-Evangelion of James and how Joseph uh, was this one who would be the, the caretaker, the one who was uh, given the entrusted with the, the care as a husband uh, for Mary. And so that was a call all by itself, that, that Joseph was shaped and molded and formed and forged in his life of faith, the graces he needed to be prepared for that moment where he would be called forward and he would say yes to the invitation to be the husband of Mary. And then he had no idea what that would mean, no idea how that would end up unfolding for him First of all, to face the reality that the Blessed Mother, Mary, would bring to him the news that she was with child and that this child to be born was conceived by the Holy Spirit, not in any human way. And this child would be the Son of God, the Messiah, the awaited one. And how does he wrap his mind around that? Well, the Lord had prepared him. The Lord had been at work in his heart, in his mind, in his life. And then all of the graces that were at work there disposed him to receive the communication from God's messenger, the angel, in a dream. And so Joseph had the, uh, the, this faith journey that readied him to have that extraordinary illumination, enlightenment given to him so that he could continue to say yes, that that first yes to receive the Blessed Mother as his wife then led to the reception of her situation as coming from God and the child within her womb, the Son of God, he would be the foster father the one who would be asked to lead, provide, and protect for this holy family ordained by God. And then the reality of um, being able to discern 
this call to uh, trust the Lord when it meant there was no room at the inn, when it meant, in particular, flee the known world for him and to head off to Egypt because Herod, and, and remember now, Herod is, is a king, is has his army slaughtering innocent babies. And he, again, has to be open to say, wait a minute, there's something decisive that is being asked of me. I, Joseph didn't say, blessed mother, we are headed to Egypt for a long vacation, or real estate is less expensive there, let's go do that. Or, hey, there are a bunch of families moving there, let's go, let's go to Egypt. No, no, no. There was the intimacy in his heart of a call that came from the Lord that was, you must respond to the call that you have to be the protector of the Blessed Mother and of the child Jesus. God placed into the hands of Joseph this incredible responsibility to be willing to uproot his plans, his business, his job, his family, his friendships, what he knew, his countrymen, his wider family, to leave all of that behind and to flee to Egypt. What must have that been like for him? Now, an angel came to him and gave him the message, yeah, but it is way too easy. It is way too easy for us to just say, oh, a messenger came from God, and therefore he received from that message all the strength he would need to easy peasy, no problem, let's go, I can do this. That must have been enormous, the courage to just uproot and go and to do it quickly because there was so much at stake. So... And, and we could continue on from there, right? But I, you've got the idea that, so I'm in the midst of all of these other reflections, and, and that's actually, I'm thinking about it right now. This is so interesting. Is it the St. Joseph's Novena that is stirring up these, like, uh, these encounters, these stories that are coming from this movie and this TV show and, and this um you know, this conversation with this headmaster at one basketball game, oh, interestingly, and the other one at the other basketball game, <laughs> just tonight. Uh, and it's it's like, maybe the St. Joseph Novena is part of how the Lord is stirring in me a greater focus on this Advent reality that Christ is coming Christ is breaking into your right now. He's breaking into the here and now of your today. And he is going to draw your attention to something that will enlighten you. And when you receive that enlightenment, you're going to be asked to take action. You're going to be asked to make a decision. You're going to be asked to maybe change the entire course of what you thought was going to be the life that was yours. Look at how it happened for St. Joseph time and time and time again and how he responded with a yes and an openness to be led and to follow after the leading, the prompting of the Spirit 
with incredible courage, incredible generosity, no half measures, no holding back. And that St. Joseph is praying for us right now. That Blessed Mother is praying for us and presenting us to Jesus, who's coming. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. So today is the Feast of St. John of the Cross, and I do have a powerful quote here that I'll be bringing up in this segment, but I want to um, contextualize it by sharing that these four legs of the stool, these stories in, in this moment of St. Joseph, is uh, it's really something that I'm hoping that you'll ponder. Um, so at this dinner on Saturday night, we were meeting with a couple of couples who have this beautiful openness to the Holy Spirit. Like, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Why are we here? Why are we here? Uh, so many families. Right now, I'm helping actively helping 10 different families um, that very few of these families know each other, but they all have heard stories from others who have made the move over this way. And all of them for different re- for many different reasons. For many of them, though, it, it's, it's very much like Joseph and the Blessed Mother preserving the child Jesus, that they're experiencing this sense of the slaughter of the innocence of their own children. And they are of the mind that says, we, we have to go. We cannot continue uh, in, this, in this way. We have to move. And so it's, it's a really interesting thing to be drawn into nearness to people as they're discerning, Lord, what do we do now? How do we face this situation where our kids are feeling so oppressed by the mandates and the policies imposed by the state and by the local church and by the local schools and by the local communities or neighborhoods they're in? And they're seeing the impact on their kids' lives. And and they're just like, "We, we cannot continue to do this. We're seeing the impacts. And all it takes is one to visit over here, and, and they just see life. They see life without the masks and the social distancing and the looks and the sneering and the swearing and the everything closed up versus opened up. And they're experiencing they can breathe. They can just breathe, right? So, so we're together with this couple and um, these couples, and, and they're like, okay, the Lord, you, you saved us from that toxic environment in all of the oppression that so many are stuck in. But Lord, what did you save us for? You didn't just save us so that we could get over here, uh, exhale a, a, a beautiful, powerful sigh of relief, and then just enjoy the blessings of the freedom, the peace, the refreshment, the life that we get to live here. No, th- there needs to be more. And, and, and the interesting thing is, is that when it comes to the more, the first and natural thing to do is to focus on doing. Let's start this new thing. Let's. Uh, so we were talking a lot about housing and jobs. Those are the two very natural things that come up. And then once you, you take that a little bit deeper, then it becomes, well, what about families and fellowship? And that is really critical. Right? If folks are moving here, they're often moving here to... Um, to again, to, to free their families from the, the, the toxic realities of the places they're living, but they don't have family here. And, and if they have some friends here, it might be this one f- friends or this other set of friends, but not a tremendous 
high, tremendously high number of friends. And so uh, it's, it's like, well, how do we help these families get integrated into parishes and schools? Those are the other two big um, uh, sort of like uh, foundational stones they need. They need a place to live. They need a place to work. They need fellowship. And so that fellowship is often found for themselves at the parish and at the school. Now, sometimes those things come together, but sometimes they're also separated where the school is, isn't at the parish. And so uh, helping families to be able to navigate those waters is a challenging task. So uh, this is where I love helping folks find a home. I love helping them find a home because I can help them navigate all of those different aspects of their journey over here. So Anyway, so I'm helping about 10 families right now, like find houses. And in finding houses, also find a faith community, find a school community, uh, find friends that might be matches for their kids so their kids can come over and, and experience this fellowship. Um, and I, I'll just say it in passing, if, if I can help you in that, and, and, and even that is just the discernment, right? The discernment of, uh, are we supposed to stay in place? Are we supposed to move? Where are we supposed to move? If, if it's over here, great. If not, where is it that the Lord, if I can help you in that discernment process, and then even in the process of selling a home or buying a home, go to my mycatholicfaith.org and just reach out to me, mycatholicfaith.org. Just reach out to me. There's a contact um, place. You can contact me there. But in getting together with these folks, I said, look, at the end of the day, what's going to bear fruit What's going to ultimately have a di- make a, a, a concrete difference to bear fruit spiritually is prayer. We need to begin at the beginning, begin at the foundation, and that is our union with God. At the end of the day, it's not about finding a house or it's not about finding a job. It's not even about finding a parish and finding a school. It's about growing in holiness. It's about being a saint. It's about fulfilling your God-given mission. That's what endures. When I think about the the sadness of the main character in that movie Finch, that I, I already mentioned to you, right? When he when he was talking, I just never got around to it. There was always something else to do. Go see the world. I wish I'd done more with the time I had. I wished I'd done more with the time I had. Do you know who doesn't say that? Saints. Um, actually, no, let me take that back. <laughs> Saints who have such a sense of urgency around pleasing the Lord and proclaiming the gospel, they long for time that would be fruitfully used for his kingdom and for growing in holiness, but they really long to be with him. Um, and, and that idea that said, well, I I wonder if my I would have done it differently in life. My message to that poor guy, that poor guy who's very wealthy and uh, has a prestigious job with this major international airline flying these big planes and making a ton of money and owning all these houses. My sense to him is, you know, if I had to do it over, I would have chosen a different path. My message to him is, your life isn't over, choose a different path. Yes, there are losses that you, you don't get to rewind your life and go back 35 years, but you can start day one fresh. Surrender your life to Jesus. Open your life to God. Give him your life. You can start again. You can experience redemption for yourself. That would be my message to him. Well, I guess it's 
it's I, what I am saying to not just him, but to any of you who have that sentiment that is in your mind right now. I think I made a mistake. I think I would have made a different choice if I could do it all over again. No, the Lord makes all things new. The Lord makes all things new, and and we have a part to play. Each of us has a part to play. And you might say to yourself, "Yeah, but I'm too old. I'm too young. I I don't have I don't have all of those things that would seem to make a noise in this world." But remember, it's not about those things that make a noise in this world that that get noticed, that get applauded, that get lifted up and 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 identified as signs of achievement, signs of greatness. No, what matters to God is love. What matters to God is growing in a union of love with him and then letting things overflow from that. What matters is staying close to Jesus, coming close to Jesus and letting him come close to us. Today is the feast day of this great saint, St. John of the Cross, a doctor of of the church, a doctor of prayer. And I want to give you a quote of his that I'm hoping will give you some encouragement. Uh, Those of you that might be feeling like, what can I do? Like, why do I, why should I even bother? Um, When in fact, the Lord is doing something great, is, is doing something great in and through you. Yes, even in and through you. And so I'm going to read this quote. This is from the spiritual canticle. He said, Let those then who are singularly active, who think they can win the world with their preaching and exterior works, observe here that they would profit the church and please God much more, not to mention the good example they would give, were they to spend at least half of this time with God in prayer. They would then certainly accomplish more and with less labor by one work than they otherwise would by a thousand. For through their prayer, they would merit this result and themselves be spiritually strengthened. Without prayer, they would do a great deal of hammering, but accomplish little and sometimes nothing, and even at times cause harm. It's a powerful quote. They would certainly accomplish more and with less labor by one work than they otherwise would by a thousand. For through their prayer, they would merit this result and themselves be spiritually strengthened. Without prayer, they would do a great deal of hammering, but accomplish little and sometimes nothing, and even at times cause harm. Wow. This is is a call, right? If we were to say, if we want to make a difference, a difference in in, in terms that matter to God, in terms that are spiritually fruitful, we have to begin with prayer. Lots of prayer. Staying grounded in prayer. That theme came up on Saturday night quite strongly at the dinner that I was at. I'll talk about that in a minute. Welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you today. Again, if, if you want to be in touch with me, I'd love to be able to hear from you. If you're sensing some of these same stirrings that I am, please let me know. Reach out to me. Let me know what's on your heart, what's in your mind. You can email me directly at tom at mycatholicfaith.org, tom at mycatholicfaith.org, or just go to the website, 
mycatholicfaith.org, and you can send me a message. There's a contact form that you can fill out. You can uh, send me a message. You can give me an email address, even a phone number. Uh, I'm happy to respond to you. I'm not always good about getting back to you right away, but I'll do what I can. And again, if I can be of support of you and your family as you're discerning what is the Lord doing in our lives and what are we to do to respond to this moment, love to be able to accompany you on that journey. Go to mycatholicfaith.org and you can reach out to me. Okay, so uh, on Saturday when we were talking about, okay, what is there to do? What is there to do? And I brought up this theme of it's not just finding the right parish. It's not just finding the right school. It's not just finding the right house. It's not just finding the right neighborhood. It's not just finding the right job. And when I say fellowship, it's not just finding the right friends. It's about walking the path to holiness. That's ultimately meaningful. That's ultimately making a difference. And so any one of you hearing my voice, we can do this. We can do better. We can do more. And, and by more, I mean give ourselves over more to God in prayer. It's, this is one of those things where like that, that sad, you know, that poignant but sad statement that I began, like this whole program, I wished I'd done more with the time I had. I wished I'd done more with the time I had. I think as Catholics, when we get to the end of our lives, I think we're going to end up saying, I wished I had done more prayer with the time I had. I wished I had prayed more with the time I had. I don't know if I've ever met anybody who said, I think I spent too much time praying. And I'm not saying that there aren't, that's not possible. I'm not saying that there aren't people who use prayer as a means of fleeing from responsibilities and uh, concrete tasks in the world. But that is not the problem of our age. That is not the problem of men, typically. And so John of the Cross is speaking a very important, not just important, a crucial reminder for us that in this moment in history where action is so needed, courageous, bold action to stand up, speak out, and push back against toxic elements that would oppress and undermine the faith of your family and eviscerate the faith of your kids— we are called to live a no-half-measured life. We are called to extraordinary degrees of stewardship, giving more time, money, attention, focus, efforts to support each other in the body of Christ beyond our own families, beyond our own parishes, in, in ways that, are, that go beyond what we would have thought. Like I'm, I'm giving up my entire consulting practice in order to help families move here. I'm moving into this whole real estate world, not because I've wanted to be a real estate agent, but because I want to help build a bridge for families who are looking to move here. And so that that is, I, I'm trying to play my part. I'm trying to play my part in saying I'm going to put my gifts, my abilities uh, at the service of the of the community of faith to help rescue families. And you know what? I feel really good about that work because it's a work to help families um, get to a safe place, a refuge for themselves and their families. But 
there's a, a part two in this, and it's something that Carrie and I have been discerning and trying to figure out. And it's like, Lord, okay, we get them here, but now what? Now what? And and that's kind of how we've been feeling. Okay, we're here. Now what? And and it's and it's great to get settled into parishes and getting settled into schools and and being able to to get uh, kids like back into a, like a detoxed, healthy mindset and and, and life uh, where, where it's just. I can tell the stories, but I don't want to just keep repeating it. But there's so many of them that's just for me such good news. But the point is, it's like, okay, we got to help families go deeper now. We have to help families go deeper. So one of the things that is coming from the this gathering on Saturday night is I have a I have a responsibility to share the the what has been given to me to hand on to others what has been given to me in the way that my faith has been formed. And the opportunity I've had to study and to do ministry now, um, goodness, I'm getting so old. It's I started in this whole path of being formed and then doing ministry back in 1984. Wow, that's a long time ago. My goodness, 37 years. Wow. <laughs> so see, look at that. I am really old. And then uh, in five years in the seminary and being formed and pouring out, uh, being poured into. And then since 1989 doing church ministry work, it's like, I, I want to help. And what have I, what's been my principal mission? It's been helping Catholics become awakened to the beauty and truth and goodness, the riches of their Catholic faith, which for so many have been become a buried treasure. And so to help them understand the truth, live the goodness and appreciate the beauty, the radiant glory of our faith, and manifest that as missionary disciples in the world. It's like, I can do this. So I don't know what form it's going to take yet, but I think it's just going to start with us like finding a place, opening a home, and saying, come, just come, and let's fellowship. Let's pray. Let's not just talk about prayer. Let's pray, but then let's also be formed to pray. That was one of the, again, the themes on this Saturday night gathering was just so many Catholics don't know how to pray. It's like, okay, Tom, you're saying take more prayer time, get up earlier, but then I'm going to get up earlier. What am I going to do? What am I actually going to do? And you can see how this theme has been on my heart. Last couple of weeks, I've been uh, talking a lot about different themes, different ways of praying. Um, But so many Catholics just don't know how to, like make that real. And so I, I want to help with that. So I, I can see it coming. It's happening. Uh, it'll, I think it'll probably happen once the new year comes around that we'll have some kind of ongoing gathering and have a chance to help form uh, couples, form adults in prayer. How do I pray? How do I take a good prayer time? And then other themes beyond that, like how do I live a life as a disciple? And so just I was thinking about different themes and like the theme of how do I be formed theologically? How do I form my mind? How do I be formed spiritually? How do I form my heart? How do I be formed apostolically? Like how do I go forth out into the world and discern and live a God-given mission in the world? Uh, And so that's apologetics and evangelization and, and learning how to pray uh, together and pray for people and even charisms and, and expecting God to move in, in miraculous ways, having that sensitivity to, um, to, to that the Lord would work through you to help someone um, hear the gospel. 
and invite people. How do you invite people forward in faith? And then, um, and then community. How do you form community? How do you form relationships of support, encouragement, accountability? How do you do that so that, um, so that people can uh, find sisterhood and brotherhood um, with other men and with other women, right? So guys need men. Women need sisters in Christ who will support, encourage, and hold them accountable to pursue this path of holiness and, and this path of mission. And it's, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, I wish I had done more with the time I had to help form Catholics and to help Catholics flourish in this moment in history. I wish I had done more with the time I'd had. I don't want that to come inside of me. I don't want to be like that sheriff in that TV series who receives a plaque at the end of 45 years and gets this applause for such a, uh, a good man doing such a good work for the community, but feeling empty on the inside. I don't want to be like that pilot who said, you know, if I had to do it again, I'd make a different choice. Uh, he, he was swindled out of his life, swindled out of his life in terms of the, the direction that it was fostered him, and he missed out on the most important things up to now. But, but there's redemption. There is redemption. And I don't want to miss this moment. This, uh, it's not about conquering. It's about meaning. And so it's about first things first and doing the most important things. But it's also about recognizing just how much is at stake right now and how many families' lives and the faith life of the next generation is in the balance. And it's up to us. It's up to us to stand up, speak out, and push back. And we'll do that better if we do it together. And we'll do that fruitfully if we do it grounded in prayer. And we'll do that when we can learn how to pray. Oh, there we go. It all comes back to we've got to have an easy way to access solid, formative teaching and fellowship to help encourage and support others along this path of holiness. So I'm going to see how this gets discerned into what the next year will look like for me, but uh, I'm excited. I feel like the Lord is stirring up some stuff during this novena of St. Joseph that is a um, you know, for such a time as this, the Lord calls us and plants us in, in moments in history and places, and he gives us the graces we need to, to do work that is unexpected, uh, unanticipated, not what we desired or chose for ourselves, but it's what is being asked of us. And so we better say yes. That's what I'm committed to. And I'm, helping, I'm committed to helping you do the same thing as well. All right. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.